0: You are listening to The Jacob Sessions, a podcast of the thechristianmanifesto.com. Friends, culture, and dialogue.
1: So, hats off to, uh, once again, the state of Texas for a completely different reason. And I love, from an ironic standpoint, giving hats off to Texas, because Texas is, as we've been over before, objectively terrible. You have... Um, I think they have a drought right now, right? Oh, no, no, it rained. But Texas has given us uh, absolutely the worst U.S. senator in my lifetime, uh, assassinated a president, and I can't think of a third thing, but maybe we'll edit that in. So anyway, this week, uh, a man from Texas was shot in the face by by his own gun. Uh, <laughs>
0: <clears throat> okay, I got to know how
1: this happened. Okay. He was uh he was uh in the, let me see. Let's see. He was hunting in the Marietta era area of East Texas. Okay. And he fired three shots at uh a local, I guess there of course it would be local, at a at a local armadillo uh which is a species a to- I've a
2: tourist armadillo
1: yeah, uh, tourist. Yeah, it wasn't a tourist armadillo. Uh, it, was a, it was a native it's armadillo. A local just
0: passing through. <laughs> it's it a
1: armadillo. It
2: just has a camera around neck. I,
1: <laughs> its neck. The armadillo was running from Godzilla.
0: Um, line of the night goes to Kara. <laughs> <Ding>. <laughs> so.
1: Taking a bunch of,
0: uh, an armadillo taking a bunch of selfies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> That's it, sure. So, uh, hats off to Texas because this guy from East Texas was out hunting. I don't know if he was actively hunting armadillo, but he saw an armadillo and said, "Hey, it would be great if I shot that armadillo." So he fired uh, three shots at the armadillo, missing two and hitting one, and and hitting the armadillo with the third, with presumably the third shot, because okay. Did he kill for, for those. For, no, he didn't, because for for those of us are unfamiliar with armadillo, an armadillo is a mammal that kind of looks like a stegosaurus, in that it has it's covered with these with leathery armor plates, and I don't know what kind of gun he was firing at this armadillo, but uh, the bullet uh, bounced off the armadillo, back directly at him, no, at him in the face. Uh, I. Uh, I can't think of a better way uh, to put it than to use the word that Ricky Gervais coined this week, calling it the Carmadillo. <laughs> <laughs> so, hats hats off to. I don't know. Is it hats off to Texas, hats off to Karma, or hats oh, yeah, off hats to that armadillo? To the, I think the armadillo. The armadillo wow. Yeah. Armadillo one, yeah. Texan zero. I
3: don't know. Now I know.
1: That's it was crazy. a. Yeah, it was a 38 revolver and. Oh. Oh, no. The armadillo died. Oh. It, it, oh, see. Okay. But yeah. he took, he took oh. the other guy with him. Yeah, sure. Other... <laughs> I'm going down. I'm
2: taking everybody <laughs> with
1: me. I'm taking you with me. Oh, you know, I, I should have better prepared. <laughs> there, Apparently, this happened before in April. Th- that armadillo was killed. It's unclear what happened to the Texan armadillo. The Georgian oh, armadillo I was got killed.
3: Away. I thought he got away. Okay. But the, didn't it hit this guy in the face?
1: It did. It it, it ah. hit him in the face. Now, usually on the mean streets of West Texas, when you're shot in the face with a 38 caliber bullet, it's not a wounding. It's a killing. So this guy did get off easy. <laughs> but, True. Uh, True. Oh, that's
0: but uh, That's fantastic. <laughs> Hats That's up. Fantastic. That's fantastic. It's like a bulletproof animal. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Wow. It is. Mm-hmm.
3: That's pretty awesome. Nobody
0: wakes up thinking, first, nobody wakes up thinking, I'm going to shoot an armadillo. But then he saw the armadillo, and his first thought was, I'm going to shoot the varmint. Yep. And so then he, and then I'm using varmint because he's from Texas.
2: Do they so <laughs> use like, that word? Really he are you me. like, Beverly really Hillbilly?
0: No. <laughs> no. Because he's from Texas. I assume <laughs> that the word varmint is brought up in. Conversation at least once a day in in Texas.
1: In in East Texas. Texas, sure, yeah.
0: In East Texas, and so um, so he shoots the varmint. I'm loving the word varmint, by the way.
1: You say it again, Kyle.
0: I feel like Yosemite <laughs>
1: Sam. <laughs> <laughs> for whatever, whatever reason, awesome. picture
0: shot this guy.
1: For oh, oh absolutely, absolutely. Everybody, Everybody,
0: everyone. who lives in Texas is Yosemite I'm Sam. I'm assuming the guy looks like he's out of Duck
1: Dynasty. Mm-hmm. What like for whatever USP. reason. Uh, I I hear the word varmint and I start thinking of the Beverly Hillbillies theme song, which is weird because uh, that word does not appear in the Beverly Hills uh, Beverly Hillbillies theme song. But I I don't know. I just think of uh, you I know. I feel
2: like they I could see them shooting it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember sure they used that word. Yeah, in the show at some point.
1: Liberally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Liberally, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So um <laughs> that's okay. That's just hilarious to me. I'm, I'm sorry, shooting an armadillo. The thing is, bulletproof Bulletproof animal. Nobody thought, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to shoot an armadillo this morning. But then he sees an armadillo, and that's the first thought that crosses his mind. Okay. He's like, give me my gun. And he shoots it.
1: Well, it's like Rick Perry and the I Coyote. Think, I don't think the
0: armadillo woke up this morning thinking, I'm going to test out my shell. I'm going <laughs> to really put this shell to the test. Well, I mean... Along, maybe he shot, did the, the, the armadillo was like walking along I'm like totally anthropomorphizing I'm like making it think like a human right yeah you're so. giving too much credit to the uh, armadillo yeah, so it is the
2: armadillo you, I love it
0: do you wonder if the armadillo like froze
1: for a second like what the heck just happened what was that itch oh, absolutely. Well, running. I'm sure I mean there's there's the temptation to make this into like a Starfleet armadillo where he like raised shields <laughs> <laughs> I don't, nerd, uh, alert. nerd alert. Nerd alert. Hey, you know what? It's not nerd alert until I mention Doctor Who. Who? Him. Yeah, um. yeah, I've never seen it. <laughs>
2: I'm
0: black. Never heard of it. Good for you. There we go. Yep. I, I don't want to waste my life on several seasons and incarnations of the Doctor. No. The
1: Doctor. Anyway. However,
0: I do know that the the the, the blue box that he goes into? The TARDIS.
1: The, um, the, the telephone box thing. They're the, the, the TARDIS. TARDIS. Not the Retardus. The Tardus. That's What it sound like? D- it T-A-R-D-I-S. T-A-R-D-I-S. I Am don't I alienating really
0: Doctor Who fans right now? The Retardus? Oh, no. Both of them. <laughs> the <laughs> all two of them. All two fans. There of are Who.
2: so many Doctor Who fans.
0: There are, yeah, I see a lot of them. Right? So and many. They, and they like... all swear that David Tennant is their favorite Doctor Who. In the spent, like, I, time
2: I, I don't understand that conversation <laughs> At all I've never, seen, never i tried But I
0: guess there's like This big conversation About the next Doctor Who Possibly being a woman mm-hmm. so people Sure People are all like Oh my gosh I need it to be a woman And I'm like okay I don't watch the show So I don't care either way um, But whatever That's the whole other story Who's got the next hats off? Who's
2: Jen Jenny.
0: Yeah. Jen has it
3: Alright so my hats off Is to Taco Bell Because they have started a delivery service
0: Yes <laughs> yes, I've been out of college for five years now. That is five years too late, Taco Bell.
3: I know, right? Um, so it says that the fast food chain they're partnering with the delivery service to start the roll, uh, you know, to roll out the door to door to door catering. Um, they're starting with 90 cities in California and Texas.
0: There's Texas again.
1: Hats off, Texas. <laughs> That's off Texas,
3: <laughs> and they eventually plan to bring it to it nationwide to its six thousand U.S. restaurants. Um, that also might include Pizza Hut and KFC because they're also part of the company.
0: Ooh, yeah.
3: Well, Pizza Hut obviously already. This does, is not a funny story. But KFC... This is
1: straight up serious business.
3: But that it deserves the hats <laughs> off. It's. I mean, that's this awesome. This is
1: serious. You, you want to do a nerd alert? Here's the nerd <laughs> alert. Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut are all part of the same conglomerate, Tricon Restaurants, which was spun off pr- by from PepsiCo in the mid-2000s.
3: And now my hat's off goes to Ken.
1: <laughs> Ken, thank <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> oh. Oh.
3: Useless
1: restaurant
0: Bell. ownership information. There you go.
3: But, I mean, that truly does, I feel like, deserve a hat's off. Because we can get but, okay. Taco Bell delivered. Like, come on. that's Here's I, think,
1: thing. I <laughs> think if you're going to eat Taco Bell, it's better to be close to home. You know what?
0: Yeah, that's true, true story. you know what, when my when I was 23, my bo- and I I went and got Taco Bell. I kid you not. I went and got Taco Bell. Do when we want to hear this? And my body okay. just said, "Nope. Nope. <laughs> You're done with this. You're done." Yep. But uh, when I was in I went to college when I was um, 25. So I went to college when I was a little bit older than most people. Most people when I got to college and lived on the college campus, where, you know, I was older than when most people were graduating, because most people were graduating college at 22, right? And so we're there. And I sang in this a cappella chorus. And we sang all over the United States. It was really cool. And one year, we were leaving for chorus tour. And there is a Taco Bell that is close to Rochester College, where I went to school. And apparently, the um, this Taco Bell on Rochester Road in Rochester Hills, Michigan, is the... Most uh, is the busiest and most uh, profitable Taco Bell in the company. Really? Yes, Um, because of its proximity to Rochester College and Oakland College (laughs) and Oakland University. And um, I remember uh, Taco Bell recently, within the last couple of years, went through this whole overhaul in terms of what their stores would look like. They updated all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you probably remember all the other ones, the old ones that kind of looked like uh, the Alamo. Yeah. And now they all uh, look basically like these new state-of-the-art facilities. Um, yep. And so we drove by, and they had torn down the Taco Bell to Ooh. rebuild the Taco Bell in the new in the new model. Well, I was on a bus with all these students who were still going. It was my the year that I graduated, and I was going to my final chorus tour. So I was going to be moving around uh, away from Rochester, so this didn't really affect me. Uh, but the students on the bus saw it, and they started freaking out and crying. Ah! Where am I going to eat?
1: Where am I going to eat?
0: No. I'll tell you.
1: I'll tell you. I can only imagine what it must be like to be a 30 year old man on a bus with a bunch of 19 year olds crying about fast food. i
0: gotta, I got to tell you. It was a hashtag first world problem years before uh, hashtags were a thing. Was it, <laughs> yep. <laughs>
2: Taco Bell was responsible for like 90% of my freshman 15. And if I hadn't had to like get out and walk to my car and go through the drive through, it might have been like my freshman twenty five. Well,
0: so that, I don't know. For those of listening, just so you know, her freshman fifteen took her from a measly ninety nine pounds <laughs> to one hundred and fifteen pounds.
2: No, no, no. Oh, one hundred and fourteen. <laughs> no, no, no. I was I was much heavier when I started college and I gained I would love more. to
0: see you in a fat suit. I just wanted to I'll
2: show it. you a picture. I when <laughs> I worked at Disney World I got up to one fifty. Uh um, which, really? which for me is 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 a lot cuz I'm really short. So yes.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Was it, uh, it, uh, this may be an obvious question but was it the Disney food? I mean it, I I've I, I don't know. I mean yeah. is it just do you get free food working there?
2: Um, no, it was because uh, I was part of the college uh, cast and so we always had the really late shifts. We get off at midnight and go to TGI Fridays like every oh, single night. Yeah. So I was
1: Fr- eating a plate and of potato skins.
2: Sure. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. I was eating a plate of potato skins and going to sleep every single <laughs> that was really good for you. And it was my first time away from home so I did a lot of comfort oh, eating. <laughs>
0: oh, <Aww>. comfort <laughs> <me>. so,
2: <yeah. laughs> I'll show you maybe we could we can post a picture on the uh, on the website so everyone can enjoy my, um, all, my all my weekend. all my chins. <laughs>
1: All your, t- <laughs> all your all yeah, chins. Yeah, it'll be like a, like a scene from one of the flashbacks in Friends.
3: That's okay, Kira. If, if you, if- oh,
1: uh, those are the best flashbacks.
3: <laughs> That's okay, Kira. You can put all your chins on there, and I'll
2: compete with you. We'll put my chins up too. <laughs> a chin-off. I think I'll win.
1: A chin-up? Chin up, <laughs> a, yes.
0: chi- a chin-off. A chin-up? Am I the only one who's uncomfortable in this conversation now? <laughs>
2: So yeah, kind of uh, picking up on what you were saying there about um, women being second-class citizens in the church, and I I totally get where you're coming from, Jen, when you say that because I've been in this situation before where I've been made to feel less um, than you know the men around me. Um, I would even just uh, at church camp a couple weeks ago, I. Uh, When I used to go to church camp back back in the day, I always led the silly song portion of campfire, and then they would have a man get up and lead like the more like spiritual devotional songs. Um, But um, sorry, I got distracted by (laughs) by Kent. Okay. Um, and so yeah, and so I thought, well, maybe I'll offer to to lead the the silly songs. Uh, for campfire, because I know nobody had a problem with that, but they, they did have a problem with that, and they said, no, no, it's really better for us to let the men do it. So it kind of took me back to those times when I had been a bit younger and really stepped out wanting to participate in something and being told that that wasn't really the role for me, uh, which would have been fine if it wasn't the role for me, If you know, because I was, you um, not skilled in that area but really the only reason it wasn't the role for me was because of my gender uh, and that just did not it didn't sit well with me even when I was really like um, even when I really strongly believed that women were to be silent in the churches it didn't sit right with me it felt like something I had to do um, because cause I wanted to, to please God and so um, I guess as time's gone on and my my beliefs on the subject have changed a lot. I guess they've evolved a lot. Um, I still believe there are different um, roles for men and women, and I think that's okay. And I actually really like like that. I think that's part of what makes us unique and special. Um, I definitely get where um, somebody might feel like they're not able to be fully themselves. Uh, Or or share all their gifts that God's given them within their uh, congregation because of that church's view on women. And in that case, I I would say it's okay to go to a different church. It doesn't mean you don't love the people you're going to church with. It doesn't mean you are gonna have to have a fight with somebody because they're gonna take more of a a pastoral approach uh, to evolving women's roles in that congregation. It's if if you really feel like a second class citizen in a church as a woman, then I think it's okay to go someplace where. Somebody's not going to bury your talent, and uh, that kind of leads me to really the the big point that that really changed my views on women's roles was the parable of the talents, Um, and just thinking about how all of us have God-given gifts that we're meant to use for Him, and it doesn't seem right to me if I have the gift of speaking that I'm not able to use it in the church because I'm a woman. just uh, because that that would be my my church background. What they would have said is, well, absolutely, you can speak to men, but it can't be about anything spiritual. I, I could talk to them about Jane Austen, that would be fine. But if I'm going to talk to them about God, um, I, that's that's I, maybe I could write it down and a man could read it. <laughs> um, and so I think uh, when I when I thought of that, I thought, you know, that that's what a shame. What a shame that. You know the Lord is just as much in me as He is in in you, and I'm not allowed to talk about it <laughs> to my brothers and sisters. I can talk about it to other women and other women only. Um, so that was kind of like the big the big game changer for me as far as women in the church goes.
3: Um, I mean, I understand your your train of thought there, but um, I do disagree. And what I disagree on is yes we can we can go somewhere else but that doesn't solve the problem and um, and the reason I say that is because we're we're not preaching I think full truth I mean how is it that that can it is okay to continue for that little girl that's brought up in that that church and is taught that she shouldn't, like you just said, speak even though she has that gift. Um, for us to raise her on that precedence, I think, is just such a travesty. and I, I think that that shouldn't be okay. Um, I understand that there are things that sometimes people aren't ready for, but that doesn't mean, they're not in wrong standing. And when I, for example, there were a lot of people back, you know, not too long ago who you know wanted everything segregated and people were not okay with that segregation going away. But that doesn't mean that it didn't need to change. And it does hurt. I get it. There's parts that we have to amend. there's parts that we have to change but just because it's difficult and just because everybody does not you know maybe I might not be quite ready for it doesn't mean to continue in that is good and it doesn't mean that to raise their children that this is acceptable is good and I think that there's a lot of people that are probably not walking in their calling a lot of women because they've been taught they shouldn't and I think that that's really sad I, I think that that's something that as a church, we're really behind the times on. Everywhere else in the world, a woman can do a lot of things and lead and does lead. Um, Yes, there are some areas in particular that are still with lots of strife, but shouldn't the church be one to, to really show what that true balance of, of, gender rules or equality, you know, are, I mean, it's not, there's a twisted version in the world. There is. Um, And that's not what I'm talking about. But I think that we can show a healthy version in the church, and I think we should be.
1: I wanted to, I guess, expound a little bit more on something that that I said um, at the end of our last episode, which I I, want to say is kind of where we wrapped it up. And that was, um, I'm not sure if it was if it was Jen who said it first or me who said it first, but used the the term profoundly sad, and uh, and then I was told in no uncertain terms that I was wrong, which is how it happens a lot on on the podcast. Um, but I I guess I just wonder. I'm sorry, Kent. <laughs> no, it wasn't you. No, we agreed. Um, I I want to. I guess the question we have to ask in terms of uh, – and, and it, it applies to gender roles, but it applies to a lot of things in the church, be it um, – and mostly lifestyle issues like uh, drinking or in days gone by, uh, movies or card playing or the type of music we do. And, and uh, we, we're told by the Apostle Paul – to avoid offending a weaker brother, but I think the question has to be wrestled with: how much leeway does somebody who's just flat out wrong get? I mean, how how much how much rope does somebody get when they're weaker in their faith, as opposed to somebody who just does not know what they're talking about? Like if like as we record this right now. Um, Uh, Cal is wearing a white hat. And uh, as, as luck would have it, I think it looks very stylish. But in a different universe, somehow along my road of life, I might have developed a feeling that white hats are offensive to the Lord. I don't know how I would have gotten there, but people have been offended by dumber things. Indeed, they have, and thank you. Hat <laughs> is actually stylish. Thank so, you. All right, you. I can't really tell in this lighting. Is it white or is it cream color? It's it, it's kind you know, of a grayish. That's great. Gray. color, yeah. yeah. All right, then fine. Then you're fine. But if it were a white hat, and <laughs> and I were and I were just deeply offended by that white hat, and I and I said, well, I would the, just the say, t- in
0: every single universe, you have no sense of style. <laughs>
1: It's not style, it's sin. It's clearly <laughs> it's clearly sin in this or any other universe I'm committed now uh, in in second Peter and I will go there if you make me I will find I, I will show you that adorning your head with blah 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 you see where I'm going with this. the point is I'm wrong and I wonder I mean do you need to do you need to take that hat off? Or do you need to make it clear to me that I'm wrong? Um, I, I don't know. What do you feel? What do you feel your responsibility as the wearer of the completely objectively unoffensive hat is, except to me?
3: You know what, Ken? I think that that's exactly where this women in ministry and a lot of other issues um, actually lie, and. I think that that's the problem. The root problem is what you're talking about. Um, the same the same place that I was raised that taught and did suppress women, uh, though they had good intentions. If you talk to the people there, they are sweet people and in their minds they think that they're right. Um, those same people, I could tell you some crazy stories about how that they've misused and abused. That scripture. And um, literally, I know somebody, this is where women are suppressed because men are always, you know, supposed to be. There was a lot of just restraint codes on women, and you were never supposed to essentially ever look appealing or tempt a man. And if you tempted the man, it was not his fault for, you know, not having self control, it was yours. Um, you must have you you must have tried to tempt him, or you must have whatever, and you needed to make the correction, not him. And what this caused? It caused a lot of men to not be responsible and grow up that way, and it caused some major issues, um, and a lot of outbreaking of of marriages falling apart, and a lot of different things. Speaking of which, one example. Um, I know a woman who there was this one guy in the church who let's just say you know had this issue, um, and it later was so bad that they literally re- asked him to leave the church. He's since come back, um, but I know somebody who actually turned him down, didn't want to go out with him, and he was so upset about it that rather than be a man about it, he actually. Went to the pastor and told the pastor that her eyebrows tempted him and caused him to lust. So, with this woman, rather than. You said eyebrows, right? Eyebrows? Eyebrows? Okay, eyebrows. So, rather than.
0: There's there's eyebrows.
3: Oh my gosh. But rather rather than this pastor address this issue in this man, that, you know what, we need to talk about that. You're talking, you know, we need to talk about some self control, whatever. Instead, this woman was approached and told that she was not to pluck her eyebrows because it was causing a man to fall in and lust. Um, that's the kind of stuff that is real life that happens um, and does happen when these kind of teachings are present. And there are, yes, some churches who honestly, in their own mind, and this one included, believe that they're doing right. But that's the kind of... Um, thing when things are taken out of context that's really dangerous. Um, I believe it was one of our past uh, professors, and I don't remember if you were in the same class as I was, Cal, but you've probably heard this too is you could do a lot of harm by pulling a scripture out of context. You could make one scripture mean whatever you want if you don't use it properly. And that's why doing things in context and doing proper exergies is so important. But when people have that agenda that's often not what they're seeking to do and they're often not doing their due diligence in that but they're claiming to well
1: this is a yeah
2: I would say I I get what you're saying um, and, and you guys are absolutely right in that that is um, the ideal for how things should be um, but I guess the situation that I, that I know in real life is this is how it should be but this is how it actually is and so what do you do when this is how things actually are um, and in, in that case uh, if we use the white hat analogy I mean I guess I I that's how, where I have a different response because I feel like Kent, if you told me that you were offended by the white hat that I was wearing um, I might tell you something like you know to me this is just a white hat and it is actually completely you know unrelated to my salvation but Around you because I love you. I'm not gonna wear this hat now. You might see me out and about occasionally with the hat on, and just know I'm sorry. That's just something for me. And you know, there could come a case where like somebody else comes up and says, you know what? I'm actually I feel a lot closer to God when you wear that white hat, and that might yeah. trump <laughs> trump your your offense to it. Um, and so I guess I, I just I feel like it's taking care of each other. Um, if now if you were to come to me and say you will not wear that white hat now that I would have a problem with that <laughs> That that would be different than just than you just kinda letting me know how you feel and so when it relates to women's roles like that like your example Jen is is that's completely a leadership problem that is that's bad that has to do with like a sickness in the leadership of the church not understanding uh, if, if they were to come to a woman and tell her she has to do something different with her eyebrows like it's it's so absurd that it's like really <laughs> did you guys like pray about that and that's what God wanted you to do is tell her to fix her eyebrows, uh, like, I think that the natural inclinations and the things that we, we believe through Scripture are, are one thing. And I think you know, prayer and leadership can kind of help guide us into a, a healthier place um, to take those kinds of things, concerns that are, that are absolutely going to come up within a church body.
3: But that's what happens when a woman is not supposed to have a voice there. She can't come back and with you know um, rhetoric and say, what are you talking about? There is no voice.
1: You know, there's a um. This is, uh, and it just occurred to me. So uh, bear with me if this doesn't seem super focused, but there's a a major issue that uh, that arose in the news this summer. That you know, spring summer. Um, that because of timing, we didn't get to cover on the podcast, and it was uh, it was omitted. <laughs> And, and, and it seems to be a glaring omission, and that is um, what happened with the Duggar family. And, uh, and when all of that went down and all of the information came out, um, I couldn't help but thinking, and I, I don't want this to, to, co- to come across the wrong way because some terrible things happened years ago, but the thing that seemed in the here and now um, most offensive to me was in hearing about the family now, the oldest the oldest daughter, and I want to say her name is Jana in the family because I don't watch the show. The oldest daughter is 25 years old and not married and lives at home. And a story came out that Jana was looking at investigating the possibility of asking her father's permission to go to college. And something something rose up on my spine when I read when I when I read that and I thought this is this is an an independent well it's not not independent. This is a twenty five year old woman who is for all intents and purposes the property of her father because no other man has claimed her yet. And and that is the mindset that leads to things like the eyebrow conversation. That it's going to be hard in this country to ever get to in this country or in this faith to ever get to a place of agreement where women are anything resembling uh, equal class citizens when there there is a when there are people Property. who share the people who share our faith. Who's, who have two classes of children, their kids and their property. A lot
0: has been said about, um, you know, leaving a church, the power to leave a church and going to a church where um, your gifts are allowed to be used. Okay, all right, that's, that's a good uh, thing. Uh, but then the question has been raised, well, you know, this isn't right. So do we leave these churches... To think this incorrect thing, and what is well
3: accountability? I,
0: yeah, well, I remember in um, when I was in high school. Still, I was going to a church that now that I that I now theologically disagree with on a fundamental level. I went to a very health and wealth gospel type of church. My mother still attends this church. We have many, many different disagreements and discussions about this church and their theology. Uh, kind of God wants you rich, God wants you healthy. If you were not, you were somehow in sin. You need to find your sin. And I disagree with that. I disagree with that theologically, based on study of the Scriptures. But they've landed differently than I have. But one thing, you know, my mom always used to say, a broken clock is right twice a day. So there are things that are said at this church. Um, And one time the pastor, the senior pastor of the church said, you know, there are these churches out there that, that I disagree with, and so we'll be on. Here I am on this side, and I'm like, I agree, I disagree with the health and wealth gospel, and pretend that the health and wealth gospel churches don't disagree with other churches on certain things. All right, like they're just in the wrong, they know it, and they want to operate that in that way, and they know everybody else is right, but they're going to operate in this wrong area. Uh, the fact of the matter is, um, there are things that they dis- disagree theologically with other people on, and I remember the pastor saying, "It is not my job." It is not my call, it is not our call as believers to go into the churches that we disagree with theologically and say, you were wrong. It is not my job as someone who believes that God has given us these particular promises to go into a church that teaches, you know, God has not given you those promises. It is not my job as, let's say, uh, let's say I were a Calvinist. Okay, and I believe that everything is predestined. God has chosen certain people, and God has, you know, for, for election, he's elected certain people for heaven and chosen certain people for hell. It is not my job, then, as a Calvinist, no pun intended, to go into a church uh, that is Arminian, that is a free will church, and say, you all are wrong. This is why we have different denominations. This is why we have different churches. Uh, All are trying to be biblically faithful and have come down at very different points, and God is using people in those different places. And so that really stuck out to me. And so when I think about the things like uh, women in ministry, I think back to what I said on the last podcast where I talked about this woman, Sarah Barton, who really, really bothered me. And I was like, just leave this church. But she felt called uh, to stay. Um, Now thinking on that, I'm like, okay. Uh, I look back on these pastors' words of, is it our job— is it our job to go to these churches and say, you're absolutely in the wrong, or is it, is it better for us to say, okay, let's agree to disagree. You worship Jesus over there. I'll worship Jesus over here. In the end, At the end of the day, how we serve the poor, how we serve the needy, how we serve the homeless, how we serve children, that's really what's going to we, we can come down on this whole women in ministry thing later on when we get to heaven we'll find out who's right and who's wrong but right now let's focus on this other stuff um, It that's kind of my position on on it that's where I come down like I don't feel like it's our job to go into these churches and say um, hey you're wrong um, you're wrong on this that and the other sometimes I do like on certain messages that really reach out into the popular culture uh, from the church that are more popular and very dangerous um but I don't know that it's our job to go into these churches and say, "Here's what I believe it says about women in ministry. You're not allowing women in ministry, so you are wrong, and I'm going to call you to the mat on this, and I'm going to keep you accountable."
3: I have to say, in response to that, that I think, and maybe your experience has been different than mine.
0: But I'm I'm not a woman too, so but, I'm, not, I'm not
3: right. But I, I'm just saying, maybe your experience has been different than mine. I think that you have a much more, shall we say, optimistic view of what a lot of churches are trying to do. There are good churches that are trying to do what you're saying, but there are many that are in tradition and are doing things for a completely different reason than to be biblically sound. There are those churches who are constantly searching and looking and, you know what? They're going forward and they're changing their doctrine, and as they see that they've made errors, but honestly, those are far fewer and farther between than they should be. Um, and that's what breaks my heart. Is there's many that, that we've done it this way, and this is you know this is more of our culture, and we're going to put that above some of these other issues. Um, and I think that that is just so so sad. I've experienced it. I've dealt with it. I've grieved it because my heart literally has broken for these people. Because it's so sad to me that they live in this deception and you know, you there is I believe this this idea and this duty that we have in the Bible It was very much that Paul and others, whoever it was, they called people into account. It wasn't a matter of, oh, I can shop around. I mean, it's very recent that we've had something that you could call consumer Christianity. Find whatever flavor you like. But are we called to do more than that? I think we are. I think that when your brother's in error in love, part of love, people think love means anything goes and it doesn't. That is not the Bible definition of love nor true love because love requires you do what's sometimes hard and you know what when that child touches a stove you don't want them to get burnt when it's hot so you do what? You discipline and instruct them so that it doesn't happen because you don't want them to get burned and I think you gotta do the same thing And that's what love does. Love means that my heart breaks when I know that you're being taught something that isn't the full truth. And I want to go and help pull those blinders off. And if we didn't have somebody do that in the New Testament, what would our church be today? I mean, Jesus came. Jesus came to, not to the religious and the traditional. He came to the marginalized. He came often, actually, to women. If you read the story, very, that's very common. Why? Because they were accessible. They would listen. They, they didn't usually get spoken to or get heard. And that's who he came to. He came to the people who, in society, didn't have a role. And he said, you matter to me. And I think it's so sad that instead of continuing in that, we've kind of gone back to our tradition and we're still, in a lot of ways, where we were before he came and tried to pull the blinders off himself. And I think it's our role and our, our place as Christians to not allow our brothers and sisters in Christ to live um, in, in margins of shadows and... I think that's part of our responsibility. If if we see it, if we don't, we can't. You okay. can't pull so, off what so you don't. So
0: let me ask you a very frank question. Let me ask both Kara and and Jen and and Kent. Frank questions. Um, do any of you think that in the church, a woman? It is a yes or no question. Um, do you think that a woman should be able to have authority over a man? Yes. In the in the church context.
2: Yes. Um, and I, no. <laughs> I, no, because I don't think anyone should have authority over anyone. Um, I think we all... should oh, trick to each other ...out okay. of reverence for Christ. Uh, and no, I, wasn't it, for it. It. I
0: wasn't asking it, a, it was a trick question. I was asking it in the context of uh, Scripture saying that women should not have authority over a man in the church setting. I mean, it says, and, well, it. It, says it in the home, I, it says I, it in the church. I,
2: yeah, I say no home only because it. I don't think man should have authority over a woman either. I think Christ uh, that we have one head, that's Christ. I think that... We
3: muddle what's at home versus at
1: church somehow. Uh, it it or, seems are, to are me that the teams? reason it seems to me that the reason for that tradition having grown up is because a man have, or a woman uh, being in a teaching role uh, over men or a or or a woman being in an authoritative role in the church is presumed to set a bad example. For men and not show a Christ-like example of what things are supposed to be like at home, uh, and that seems to me to be a weak excuse and lead to a weak church that's not using all of its that's not using uh, the children of God to their fullest potential.
2: Okay. Let's let's think about this though. Like, aren't so many of the issues with women in the church? Are centered around the worship service. I mean, I know that was true in my denomination. Uh, that you know, maybe I could have a conversation with my dad, and it was like just normal. We're a family. That's what we do. We talk. But when I go into a church building, suddenly I'm not allowed to say anything um, to the to the masses. And maybe I could have a private conversation in the lobby if I talked in hushed tones. Um, so I there's a a large part of me that looks at the fact that so many of these women's roles in churches have to do with the worship service itself and how we've gotten so far away from understanding what that is that that is the family getting together with their God Um, we we make it like a ceremony and in the ceremony there have to be rules Um, I think the just the the fact that we focus so much of our faith on the worship service creates so many of these problems and I feel like if we were to just like get rid of worship services altogether, so many women's roles would go away.
0: Well, I mean, the thing because, is, I mean, I,
2: mean, I, mean, I mean, issues with women's
1: roles.
0: Well, a lot of the discussion about women's roles, like you said, yeah, very much around the assembly, but a lot of the conversation period in the New Testament uh, by Paul is generally half of what he's writing is like, look, there's all this craziness going on uh, in and around the community, let's deal with this, this dude's sleeping with, he's shacking up with his own mom, uh, let's let's take care of that. And the other half is how do we do this? How do we do this thing called church? You know, ecclesiology, right? You know, how do we do this? They're starting out. We're not starting out anymore. We've got 2,000 years of getting it right and 2,000 years of getting it wrong, at this point. And I, I look at I look at things at you know First Timothy. I look at uh, Titus. I look at First Corinthians, and I see all this stuff. Like you said, it surrounds uh, the worship service. And someone brought up uh, the story of the talents, the parable of the talents, early on. That was Kara. Kara, you brought up the the parable of the talents, and I guess the way I look at it, I, I feel like at the end of the we're and we're at the end of the conversation. Um, I'm just making that <laughs> I'm making that executive decision here. If you have more to say, you can. Um, but uh, and I give you that permission as the man.
1: Dang it! <laughs> I, get... <laughs> uh, I was just uh, about to say maybe you should I, let a woman right, make yeah, that no, decision. I'll, all right. I'll say whatever. We're all equals
0: here, but. Um, uh, and and I'm nobody's husband here, so I have no authority. Mm, um, but, Carol, you brought up the the parable of the talents, and I guess I feel like uh, when I when it really comes down to it, uh, on this, I'm like the the one in the in the parable that that Jesus rebukes, and I, I sometimes feel like the Church of Christ is the one that the the that Jesus rebukes. In that, you know, we I want to get it right. I so want to get it right, and Church of Christ so wants to get it right, that they err on the side of caution. And I said that in the last episode. I err on the side of caution. So rather than, you know, while, while, yeah, while I believe all these things about women in ministry, rather than get it wrong, rather than possibly get it wrong, I would rather just go with a very simple reading of Scripture. Okay, it says women can't speak. All right. I feel like this interpretation, you know, I feel like it does really... I mean, it shows that women can, but I really don't want to get it wrong. In the plain reading, God will honor that. So it's kind of like burying the talent. And I feel like a lot of people do that. And I feel like I'm in in a position where uh, I'm using it differently than you're using it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like I'm in a position where God is going to rebuke me because despite everything that I have said, I am much more comfortable in a church that has women in particular roles of leadership much like yours, Kara. but they are not in a position of pastor or elder. And there are some churches that have gotten to the point where they are pastors and they are elders, and I don't believe Scripture allows us to do that, but in an effort to not get anywhere near that, anywhere near making that quote-unquote mistake, and I could be wrong about it, um, but in an effort to not get near that, I tend to err on the side of caution and I lean more towards churches that um, don't allow women in many many leadership roles. Okay,
3: so at what point is that not legalistic and being trying to be true? Because it's a very fine line. For it that you're it is it is legalistic. That's no, the error no, 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 on the
0: Legalism. I think,
3: the Pharisees were legalistic. You know, so wh- where's that boundary?
0: Legalism the Pharisees added laws. Yeah, I'm not adding laws. I'm going off of what it's. You sets. don't think
3: that if the person who set that up added laws?
0: I'm saying you can.
3: But whoever set up these these boundaries, you know, leaps and bounds, whatever you want to call it, those were added laws. Those are not in the Bible. Okay. They're so not so sold if, out.
0: if we're in the sense of we don't look. Okay. So when the church started. Was talking about this, there was no children's ministry. Okay, so now we have churches. 2000 no, I mean, and we have the oh, ministry, the, so you can do this
3: role, you can't do that role. But the Bible doesn't talk about that, it, it
2: doesn't, it does talk about about roles for men does, and women. It, Absolutely. Does. It, it does talk about some, but not to the but extent
3: it, it, that you're it, talking it about. That's
0: what I'm saying. So, in that sense, I can go with you on the whole Pharisees adding laws thing, right? But that's, that's what because I'm saying. they were faith, I mean. Here's the thing. We always talk about them like they were the bad guys, because Jesus made them out to be the bad guys. So I guess they are the bad guys. Um, but <laughs> the fact of the matter is, um, laws you. were added. Law, laws were only added in the event that they came across something that they hadn't experienced before. And so the church, the church had not experienced uh, when Paul was writing scripture. They had not experienced um, the church being the popular religion in in America. They hadn't experienced uh, 70s. Know, seeker-sensitive churches and uh, affinity, uh, affinity-based, affinity hold on, uh, affinity-based uh, ministries where you have children's ministry and teenage ministry and women's ministry and barber ministry. Literally, I've been to a church where they had, a, like, a barber hairdressers ministry. That was what the, these people, they, they liked to do, and, 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 that, and that was their thing. And so now was you it, have... Was it a ministry to barbers or a ministry by barbers? It was a ministry by barbers. Um, okay. And so... Um, now you've got okay, so you've got an issue of all right. So you got women, all right, all right, cool, fine. And now they're working in children's ministry. Okay, we didn't have children's ministry two thousand years ago. Well, now you got a kid who gets baptized in that children's ministry. Okay, so now you've got a question that two thousand years ago they didn't have to ask. They didn't have to ask: Does that woman keep teaching? Does that woman keep teaching that that kid in the children's ministry? Or do we move them to a specialized children's ministry now? We we didn't have those questions before.
3: Okay, the, this is my so point. So, in
0: that sense, it can be fairer. I like
3: think this. I think that where the Pharisees got it wrong was not in their they're trying to be diligent. I think where they got it wrong is where they tried to be put those rules. You know, I'm going to cross my T's and dot my I's above caring for the people. And I think that that is the critical difference. And there is oftentimes I would say that we do that to women. And I think that that's the part that we should be concerned about. I think also. My thoughts are two twofold. I think um, we don't want to continue to hurt the women um, that we have, but he also we should be concerned. I think as a church as a whole about our witness in the world because the world doesn't. A lot of the world there's there's areas of it where women still are very marginalized and not seen as equal. But a lot of the world in which at least the North American world that we live in no longer has that idea it's very archaic and so when you have that not being taught to the populace our culture has changed and our our church is very far behind that and what is that doing to our witness I think that that's a valid thing I also think that we can look and debate about things in Scripture sure but how do we how do we at the end of the day that we believe that the Spirit and that God, He anoints and He gives as He pleases, and that He's never wrong. So, how do we, what do we do with the issue of when God calls or God anoints and gives somebody with something that's the wrong gender? What do we do with that? We can't argue that away by this verse. I think. Where I'm, does that go?
1: I think. I mean, I I don't know, Cal. If you have more we on this topic, the
3: wrong? Do we call God wrong?
1: No,
0: we call the person wrong. That that is that is every ministry I have grown up with, and I, I know that people hate to hear that, but women who will say things like, and, and this is this is me going back to where I came from. Not saying that I agree with this, um, but at least it's consistent. Like I said, with Churches of Christ, they're consistent about baptism. You know, we always keep bapti- you know, you know, water in the baptismal. So if you believe that God only calls men to certain positions within the church, and then a woman comes along and says hey, I feel God has called me to be an elder, or God has called me to be a pastor, the only answer that you can give is, the only logical answer you can give is, and people will wrap it up in all sorts of fluffy words, is, you heard wrong.
1: God doesn't do that. Well, you, you you just used a word there, which I found interesting. You said, if you believe that God has called men to certain uh, roles within the church and a woman comes along and disagrees with you i think the key word there is believe you might be wrong too it's thank you it's a it's Absolutely. a it's you a may, question you may be wrong you may be wrong and i think you know a a a, a quote has come are, are to we, me
3: yeah
1: what i'm sorry go ahead no okay. go ahead your quote uh a, a quote has come to me and i don't know where I first heard it, but it's probably the most intellectual thing I've said in 21 episodes of the podcast. Um, <laughs> and that is, and I, I don't know where I first heard it, but it's a quote from uh, a a a man named Thomas Merton, who was a early Catholic. 20th an early 20th century Trappist monk. Oh, right, he's Catholic. Okay. Okay, and he uh, and he said he's he's he famously wrote. I don't always know the right thing. I don't always know what the right thing to do is, Lord. But I think the fact I want to please you pleases you. Amen. And I think that uh, is appropriate here because I think it supports everybody's point.
2: I agree. Uh, and I wanted to just add to you know the reason I, I brought I up... I disagree. The, the, sorry. <laughs> I wanted to, to bring up the parable of the talents. Um, one, because Cal... We've all been the the servant that buries the talent. And that's the point of the parable. We've all been that at point. Um, and I absolutely was when it comes to women's roles, was absolutely the person that that would chose to bury the talent in an effort to err on the side of caution. That was what I wanted to do. And I think through study of scripture and honestly, I've read so many books, read so many scriptures, so many commentaries on this subject because I do come from a denomination where women's roles are very, very limited, and I wanted to understand um, if the feeling I had inside me that this is not quite right was valid or not. Um, but oh my gosh, I just left in train of thought. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> to err on the side of caution, um, actually, uh, has if I'm going to err on the side of caution with women's roles, it seems like I would not bury a talent. So to err on the side of caution would be to say, okay you feel like this is where God is calling you, I'm going to support you in that. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to err on the side of caution and say if God tells you something, I'm not going to shut you down right away. Um, so that's kind of how I've, I've kind of come around on the whole err on the side of caution thing. Rather than telling someone that you're a woman and you can't do this or that, um, say, well, that's not really my understanding of it, but who am I to say that God's not telling you something?